All right. Hey, gang, we got a fun show today. Coach Jenny is here. We're going to talk all about how to become a successful coach, how to run the business side of coaching, what it means to be a coach, how you learn your skill set, all sorts of good information from somebody who is truly successful and has been one of my favorite live stream guests in the past. Let's start the show. So as I started preparing for this show, I thought back to when I first started live streaming. And my second ever guest was Coach Jenny in November of 2015. And... If you'd like to see how far we've both come since then, <laughs> let's take a quick look at the clip. I think the strength of and depth of the connections that you make on this platform are more important than the numbers on other platforms. I definitely agree with that. I mean, for me, it's about quality and substance over numbers. Now, it depends on your business model. If your business model is to sell a million widgets to make your million dollars because they're all a dollar, then yes, numbers is going to be really volume, important volume, to you, volume, right? right? <laughs> but for most thought leaders like myself who are coaches and speakers and authors, we're not so obsessed with the numbers. We're really obsessed with the quality. Well, you'll see the quality of Coach Jenny's set and delivery and audio and video. We've both come a long way since late 2015, uh, and I look forward to having Coach Jenny on. Again, everything you wanted to know about how to run a successful coaching business from somebody who's done it. She's also an author of the great book, Hilda, and we'll talk more with Coach Jenny in just a a couple minutes. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. Welcome, everybody. It's great to have you here, and we're excited to get on with the show. So much to talk about, both with StreamYard and in the industry, and in a few minutes, we'll get to Coach Jenny and get all into the coaching business as well. Of course, you know StreamYard, if you've used it before, it's got three pillars. It's ease of use, it's stability, and it's professional-looking streams. If you haven't used StreamYard yet, uh, let's get let's get you started. You can go to livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard, get a 14-day trial, use the uh, premium features during that 14-day trial. If you want to continue on for free, you can continue on using it for free. If you want to upgrade to that one of the premium packages, you can do that as well. Again, it's livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. And our destinations are Facebook Live, it's LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, it's Periscope, which gets you on Twitter, and also a Twitch channel, or more than one Twitch channel, I believe. I'm not sure what Amazon's rules are on Twitch and multi-streaming, if you can go to more than one Twitch channel at the same time. I know LinkedIn limits you to only one destination within LinkedIn at at a certain time. So uh, you also have RTMP. So any destination that 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 does not have a direct integration, for example, Amazon Live, which I've been loving going live on, and Coach Jenny's now going live on Amazon Live as well. You can connect from StreamYard with your RTMP 
connection. I have a video that I just put on the Livestream Universe YouTube channel that'll tell you all about how to connect from StreamYard to Amazon Live using RTMP. And by the way, it works for any other destination that accepts RTMP. Uh, so uh, if you don't know where to find that, DM me or put a comment in the chat and I'll, I'll follow up with a, a link later on. Let's get to the news because there's a lot going on with StreamYard. Three updates this week uh, after the big just barrage of new people joining. It's been so awesome seeing people joining StreamYard and using StreamYard from all around the world and celebrities and business leaders and people. And it was a lot of effort for the team to really make sure that the product remained high quality, easy to use, and stable following those three pillars. In the last month or so, they have been rolling out new features uh, one after another. They all seem to work really well right out of the box. And uh, three more came along this week. And you may have heard that StreamYard raised the number of destinations for multi-streaming on the pro plan. Well, now they've also increased the number on the basic plan. And Gage Vandentop made the announcement on the Sunday night StreamYard Town Hall show. Basic users can now go live to three destinations. So, uh, if you were, if you plan on, if you plan on going live to a third destination, I'll be, I'll be curious uh, which one that is and, and why you're deciding to to go there. Um, we actually also, I don't know if I have, a, oh wait, no, I do have it. We released it. We recently increased professional users live to eight destinations. That was last week, and I know a lot of basic uh, users felt a bit left out. Left, left out. So uh, hopefully, the three destinations. Uh, will be beneficial to you. Let us know uh, where you'll be streaming live to. And so it's three destinations on the basic plan, eight destinations on the pro plan, and that can include multiple destinations within, say, Facebook or multiple YouTube channels. So you could go to your page, your profile, your 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 business page, your personal profile, a group and so forth. You can go to several different RTMP destinations. It's up to you to use the destinations, to choose them as you would like, as long as it fits within the terms of service of the platform that you are going to. So the other thing is, if you've been on the basic plan or the pro plan, you know that StreamYard makes a recording, which is going to be a higher quality recording than what you would get if you download the recording from one of the platforms that you're streaming to, and they've been holding it for seven days. People felt that that wasn't enough time, so uh, Gage announced on Sunday night that they are extending the length of time for which they hold on to your broadcast so that you can download it and use it to repurpose or archive or however you would like to use it. We've increased the uh, recording length, so... It's one thing that, that pains us is oftentimes people will try to uh, download a recording after eight days or, or nine days is pretty pretty common. So uh, we've increased that length to, to 15 days, and that's for everyone who has recordings, so basic and, and pro users. So uh, hopefully 15 days is enough. Hopefully you guys find that, that useful, and it will lead to less um, unfortunate uh, surprises where you think you have your video and, and you don't because we know that can certainly be a pain. Rarely a week goes by where I don't get a couple of questions from people about 
how they can play video clips on StreamYard. And my typical answer is, if you have a video five minutes or less, play it as an overlay, upload it to uh, your studio into the overlays and play it as an overlay. If it's longer than five minutes, play it as a screen share. Well, they've made some improvements to the video quality when you're playing an overlay as a video or when you're doing a screen share. Gage talked about that as well on Sunday night. Video overlays and screen sharing have been significantly improved. So um, now when you play an overlay video during your stream, it'll just look uh, better. We've made some technical improvements on, on our end, so you'll be able to get higher quality uh, video output from your video overlays. And same thing with screen sharing. Um, when you're sharing slideshows on uh, while screen sharing, they'll look a bit crisper, they'll look a bit nicer. Videos will be a bit smoother uh, as, as well, so hopefully that will benefit you guys. And you'll notice when you go into the studio, if you haven't already, that while image and video overlays used to all be in the overlays section, now video clips have their own separate section below overlays. It's still treated like an overlay, but there's just a separate area for video clips. And uh, I'm taking advantage of it. I've uploaded, let's see, two, four, six, eight, nine video clips for the show. So uh, I love the feature. I mean, I think it's a no brainer. If you have five minutes or less of a video clip, why not upload it? And it's just a very smooth process and high quality now to play that video clip here on StreamYard. Um, so let's get to the industry news and then we'll bring on Coach Jenny, the author of Hilda and an inner critic expert and also a successful coach and community builder can't wait to talk to her about live streaming and everything that she's doing with her business uh and but the industry news is interesting you know about facebook messenger rooms anybody who has a personal profile can create a room you can invite others to join you and you can chat on live video it's basically facebook's move to kind of takes some of the competition away from Zoom. It's it's going after Zoom, right? So now with Facebook Messenger, you can do some of the things when you create a room that you can do with Zoom. Well, now they've increased their offering because you can now live stream the conversations that you're having in these Messenger rooms on your profile. So you can actually broadcast out the discussion, the live video conversation with up to 50 users from your messenger room to the world through Facebook Live. And it brings up some interesting scenarios. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily ideal for a broadcast like we're doing, an interview, and that kind of thing. I think, you know, StreamYard has a lot that it offers in that area. But if you're going to meet with 50 people and you don't want to, uh, you prefer not to use Zoom for whatever reason, this is another way you can cast that meeting. So some of the use cases they discussed were uh, book club meetings, fitness sessions, group fitness coaching sessions, things like that. I'm sure uh, any type of coaching session with a group session group discussions uh it's it's an it's something worth trying right now they're they're only testing it out in mexico 
Canada and Argentina, I believe. So when it comes to the U.S., I will give it a shot and let you know what I think about it. But uh, this is clearly with more people getting into live video and using these tools for video conferencing and also to keep up with family members and now deciding that they want to put that content out on their profile and share it with the world or do their own show. There's just an explosion of interest around live streaming at all levels, including StreamYard, including Zoom, including Facebook Messenger, and all different uses of live video. It's very interesting to follow, and we'll stay on top of that. Uh, our second story is interesting in that it, it, cops now can get 911 calls into their police car, into their computer. They can hear the audio of the call now in real time. So they no longer have to wait for a 911 operator to type out what the person's saying and tell them where they need to go. They can save crucial minutes in getting to an emergency by listening to the call in real time and having a better idea of what they're going to face, what to expect when they get to that uh, emergency. And as well as they can hear the person's voice who's calling it. So it's, it's a, it's a powerful use of audio live streaming. Uh, and Chula Vista, California is, has implemented this in their patrol cars and, I'm sure if it turns out to be a successful implementation, it's something that you're going to see a lot of other police departments use as well. I also wanted to say congratulations to Dr. Tachi, the host of Mediascope. She's been a two-time guest on this show. She's been live streaming uh, since before I started live streaming, I think. And this is the fifth anniversary of Mediascope tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern across social media uh, Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, and other platforms. Um, I'm honored to be one of the guests. I'll be joining, uh, probably later on towards the, the back end of the show, but, uh, I just wanted to throw out a congratulations and we appreciate everything that Dr. Tachi does in the industry and congratulations on five years of Mediascope. I'm Ross Brand. This is StreamYard Connect. We're here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, presented by StreamYard. If you're not yet using StreamYard, head on over to LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard, LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard. Get started for free. Play around with it. Host the show. Go live. It's, uh, it's very easy to use. It's a great app. I'm just loving it. I've used it for just about every single broadcast I've done since the beginning of 2019 when I was lucky enough to discover StreamYard or be introduced to it. And uh, ever since then, it's been my platform of choice for live streaming. So let's bring on our guest. We're asking the question today, how do you become a successful coach and have a successful coaching business, both in the online space or in 
the offline space. And our guest is Coach Jenny. She's an inner critic expert. She's got 14 years of coaching experience, a master's degree from American University in organizational development. She's the author of Hilda, Tackle Your Inner Naysayer, Get Out of Your Own Way, and Unleash Your Badassery. Last night, she launched a brand new show uh, using StreamYard called Changemaker Chats, and she's also organizing an event called No Matter What 2020. So nothing really going on, Coach Jenny. Not at all. Not a thing. (laughs) Welcome to StreamYard Connect. It's so great to have you on the show. Uh, It it was kind of funny looking back at that clip. Uh, What are your thoughts? I mean... That was 2015. That was the second live stream show I ever hosted. Oh, my gosh. You were the guest, and I think we had a good conversation, but it definitely, uh, it's our look has changed a lot since then. Let's just. It's so funny (laughs) because, like, I'm always saying to my clients that you have to make sure you're not afraid to have the charming years. And what I mean by the charming years is you kind of look back and you're like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? When you pull out some charming years and put them on display, oh, my gosh, it's hysterical. If you're just joining us, I'm, I'm going to play it again. It's just too good. I think the strength of and depth of the connections that you make on this platform are more important than the numbers on other platforms. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, for me, it's about quality and substance over numbers. Now, it depends on your business model. If your business model is to sell a million widgets to make your million dollars because they're all a dollar, then yes, numbers is going to be really volume, important. Volume, to you, volume, right? right? <laughs> but for most thought leaders like myself, who are coaches and speakers and authors, we're not so obsessed with the numbers. We're really obsessed with the quality. Oh my that, that God. That is just too much fun. <laughs> Internet video lives forever, people. Those charming years. It does. It does. So was I in a hallway or something? What the heck? You were in a hallway. I think I was sitting in the dark. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I was using my built-in camera uh, webcam. So let's get to. uh, We talked about business a little bit and online, but let's get into the the business of coaching. I, I know there are a lot of people who are interested in becoming coaches or working with coaches and you're somebody who's been doing it for a long time and doing it at a very high level and with a successful business. And let's start out by defining what is a coach or what is somebody who works as a coach professionally versus somebody who may coach somebody in an activity or something like that. Tell tell us what, what you see as the definition of a coach. I'm making faces at you, Ross, because that is the most difficult question, right? <laughs> like the, the kind of joke that I say all the time is six people just became a life coach in the time it took me to say the sentence, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> but what I mean by coach, and so to take this definition as my definition, is somebody who is in your corner pushing you to be the best you you can be just such a generic answer. Um, But what a coach isn't is a therapist. A coach isn't a best friend. A coach isn't just a confidant. It's somebody who pushes you to really um, realize more potential. And so uh, I have my own very specific way that I do that, um, which is really important. But I know that coach, that term has become kind of a four letter word instead of a five letter word, because there's so many people that are hanging their shingle out every five minutes saying, oh, 
people like to ask me for advice so I could be a coach and that is not what a coach is. So what are the prerequisites then to be an effective coach and a successful coach? So effective in order to help people grow and develop and become what they accomplish, what they want and, and successful as in having a business that sustains itself uh, rather than just a one-off appointment here and there. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, to, to be a coach, to decide that you get to hold that label is a controversial question, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that feel that you need to be certified by a certain um, international coaching federation accredited school of blah, blah, blah. Um, and you need to have this alphabet soup behind your name um, in order to prove that you have the right training and, and tools. I'm all about training. I'm all about tools not so much about some of these certifications. Some of them are just, um, anyway, that's a whole controversial right. discussion. Um, for me, I didn't get one of those certifications because I came into this with my master's degree. And so for me, that's where I really studied the art and science of coaching and facilitation. And that's what I use in my practice. But your second question on how to actually become a successful coach is a very different question. Like defining coach, there's so many different varieties of us, or lots and lots of different flavors. But to actually be successful as a coach takes uh, stamina and tenacity and patience and the willing to experiment with your business. Um, I, I'm about to celebrate my 14th year, wow. like my 14th anniversary. <laughs> so I'm finishing up my 14th year as a coach, which is mind boggling. Please don't do the math. Um, but uh, the staying power of being a coach is making sure that you are constantly dancing in the moment. So one of the things we say mm -hmm. in coaching, in the field of coaching, is with your clients, you're dancing in the moment and paying attention to what they're saying. But as an entrepreneur slash coach, you also have to dance in the moment. You have to right. be willing to get on live streaming. You have to be willing to try all kinds of different things because what worked in... 2006 to get my first clients was <laughs> Craigslist. Now, when I tell people now that I got clients on Craigslist, it just sounds scandalous. It, but it back then, so that was legit. creepy. It is, but that was before Facebook and Twitter, right, right. you know? So like, that's how I got my first clients. Now it, it just, it, it, it takes a different, it, it takes a different, um, approach. And so to have staying power, you have to be visible and you have to be very um, nimble. Now, is there a certain, are there certain methodologies that coaches use? You mentioned having gone through a master's program and learning there, whether you learn it through a master's program, through some other type of training, what are some of the, I don't know if you call them methodologies or coaching techniques are there is that a requirement in order to be an effective coach is to have an understanding of that background? Not in my opinion. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lot of different modalities and models that people use to uh, create coach to create coaching practices. And it's called a practice for a reason. I, right. I think a coaching practice is one where you're constantly developing and making something new. Right. But there's a whole lot of very successful coaches out there that are not creating something new. So like, if you work with me, you, you're getting a coach Jenny experience that I've been honing and refining and fixing as I work with another client. Every single client I work with is making me a better coach. 
other people um, actually sign up and become a branded somebody else coach. Like they're, right. these are legit things. Like you can become a Martha Beck coach, even though your name's not Martha Beck, because right. Martha Beck has a process where you can learn how to do that. You can become a Byron Katie coach and become certified in the Byron Katie's the work. And then you use that methodology. And a lot of people are very successful with that. Jack Canfield has a program. All of all of the big names have these kinds of programs. When are where you starting the Coach Jenny Academy? Or not happening because- method. <laughs> you know, and I flirted with that. I have flirted with that a couple of, of times where people have even asked me, you know, I would like to become a Hilda certified coach. Right. And um, no, there's just one me. And I didn't get into this business to create that kind of an empire. I got into this business to create my own empire. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you're I, 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 I probably should just ask this as a question, but in order to move the conversation to where I really want to dig in, um, it seems that your specialty is working with entrepreneurs. Now you may sh you may express that differently, but solopreneurs, people who uh, one person with a dream or a, a mission or or a need to get out of their own way. How did did you pick that niche? Did the niche pick you? How did you decide? Because there's so many different areas that people need coaching in. How did you come up with that niche? I am a niche switcher. I okay. do a lot of niche switching. Um, <laughs> when I started my coaching practice, I was 30. Again, don't do the math, okay? And at 30, I felt like the only people I was allowed to coach were 20-somethings. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds so silly now, but back in the day, I really believed this. There was no way I could coach somebody older than me right. because I didn't have that wisdom yet. It was – I'm such – Anyway, moving on. That's an embarrassing, <laughs> charming years thing. And so I was working with people who had experiences like mine and they were not entrepreneurs because I wasn't an entrepreneur yet. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was barely an entrepreneur. I was a student of entrepreneurship, which right. we can talk about later too. Um, but as I became a businesswoman, I started becoming a coach for other coaches. And I did that for a while. And then I expanded that into working mostly with solopreneurs. Why? Because I'm a solopreneur. And I think people look for mentors who kind of look like them. You're killing me with these pictures. You're cracking me up, dude. This is so <laughs> fantastic. Um, and that's my hair pre-pandemic. I haven't had a haircut since February because I live in LA. It's what do you do? YouTube video um, screenshot. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> um, but now the, this niche, I, I really have, am broadening my niche at this point in my business. So it really is anybody who is an impatiently ambitious individual who mm -hmm. wants to make a difference. And so most of those people are solopreneurs or entrepreneurs in the making, but not all of them. Some of them want are working in a corporate life. Some of them are teachers. Some of them are nurses. And I'm working with people um, who feel that same impatient ambition. So um, that niche switching, as I'm talking about, is key because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially coaches, feel like they need to figure out their niche for life. Right, right. It's not a life sentence. You evolve, so the people you serve should evolve too. Because ultimately, if you're an effective coach, it's a skill set, it's a variety of tools that you have at your disposal to help people. So while you might not become a football coach tomorrow, you certainly can help people who aren't just entrepreneurs, but they could be working in an office or they could have a dream to, uh, you know, plan the perfect retirement or what have you, right? Well, and I'm glad you bring up the sports analogy, which I suck at sports analogies, but <laughs> I am not like the football coach. I'm more like an ice skating coach. 
And so here, let me explain that. So okay. a football coach like is that. usually somebody who played football, right? Think mm -hmm. about a college football coach. And they're usually somebody who won the Heisman Trophy, who is helping <laughs> somebody win the next Heisman Trophy. They know how to hold the ball. They know how to do all those things because they just did it a few years ago, right? right? Whereas an ice skating coach is usually some old Russian dude who is telling some 10-year-old little girl to do this little dance that there's no way that guy could do it or has ever done that thing, but knows how to ask questions and poke and, and coach that person to bring out the best possible performance. Mm -hmm. That's really what my coaching style is. And so there's those, both of those kinds of coaching um, exist in the life and business coaching world as well. I call it the sage on the stage versus the guide on the side. And I'm more of a guide on the side style coach where I don't have to be an expert at what you do. Mm -hmm. um, in order to help bring out your best potential and help you get out of your own way. Whereas a sage on the stage, which is also a very popular mode is saying, mm -hmm. here's how I did it. So if you just follow my map, you get to be me too. We're talking with, sense? well, yeah, absolutely. We're talking with coach Jenny here on StreamYard connect. We're here every Wednesday, 2 PM Eastern on Facebook live and across social media. Um, let's get to the nitty gritty of some business questions. Okay. A coach starting out, how do they determine what to charge? All right. So here's how, first of all, right now there's somebody charging a dollar a session and somebody charging a million dollars a session. So the one thing you don't do is market research. Like traditionally when you're trying to charge for a product, you do some market research and figure out where you want to be in the market. That doesn't work in coaching. So where I encourage my entrepreneurs to charge is between these two windows above the bar of resentment and below the bar where you can't sleep at night. So above the bar of resentment, meaning like, okay, I'm charging enough that every time I sit down with this amount of time and I'm spending this time with this person, I feel like they are getting my years of experience and all of the work I've done to get to, to this point. And it's above that bar of resentment. You know, I don't feel resentful for having this appointment on my calendar. If right, you do, right. you're charging too little. But I'm also not charging so high because my mastermind says I need to charge more. And I can't sleep at night because now I'm just taking advantage of this. What you don't do as a coach, in my opinion, which is counter to what everybody else tells you, is you don't charge what you're worth. I'm going to say that again. There's no such thing as pricing your fees for right. coaching based on what you're worth. Okay. I'm not a prostitute. I'm not, I'm not charging you based on my worth. And I'm priceless, baby. I can't even do that. I'm charging what the transformation my work offers mm -hmm. is worth to the people I want to help. And that is a wide variety of things, which is why the Tony Robbins of the world charge astronomical prices and then other folks charge very, very low prices. So that is, that's my advice on figuring out that pricing. And the last thing is it's always evolving. You know, it should be going up because you are getting better at this work. How much flexibility do you put into that range that you give yourself based on uh, maybe what, where where the person is in their career or what they're demanding of you or what they can afford to pay or <laughs> great question. 
No, that's a great question. I make sure I have services that are low barrier to entry, low price, but that it's still below the bar of resentment by how much I have to participate. So for example, in my membership group, I pick, it charge $25 a month. I mean, it's cheaper than Netflix, but I make sure that the way I show up there is below the bar of resentment or above the bar of resentment. I keep saying below, above the bar of resentment. So I'm not resentful of the people who are only paying that low ticket. Um, of course I'm not because I have a lot of people paying that ticket, right? A lot of people paying that same monthly rate. But as I grow and I'm looking at my private coaching, I'm paying a premium for private work because that person is more of a marriage and I'm going to be at their beck and call and in their corner. I should pay a premium because I want to make sure that I feel really good about the fact that uh, they have me on speed dial. Okay, so you've, you, you've figured out what you're going to charge. You have your niche, at least one you're going to start out with. Now you have to go about building a client base. How did you do that, and how would you advise somebody starting today to do that? Is it different? Is it the same? It varies. Um, how I did it... it has varied, right? At first, I was looking for one client at a time, but eventually, as if you want to have any staying power, you don't want to be constantly married to your schedule and one appointment at a time. Like private coaching is something that's very important to me, but I couldn't do it forever. Um, the way I grew it was live streaming, to be honest with you. It, it was mm -hmm. taking advantage of visibility. Social media is such a gift. I know it doesn't feel like a gift right now, but it is a gift from the gods because there are ways that people voluntarily for free show up to look for people like us. Mm -hmm. That's insane. That wasn't a thing before. And our job is to make sure we're visible enough that we're there. So the way that you get started as a coach is you have to have a way to invite them into your world. Mm -hmm. And you have to recognize, this is really important, that it is an act of bravery for somebody to say, I'm going to get on your calendar for that free call. And it's not an act of bravery because they're afraid they're going to get sold to. It's an act of bravery because they're saying, okay, I'm ready to address that thing. So in my right. case, I'm helping them get out of their own way. So by, by signing up and booking a call with me, going to one of my workshops, they have to admit to themselves, I'm in my own way and I want to do something about that. So our job as coaches is to make sure we're rolling out that red carpet consistently, persistently, all the time, knowing it could take 12, 15, 20 times that they see that red carpet before they're going to step on it because of that act of bravery. So that's the key is I think a lot of coaches are like, well, I posted about it twice and nobody signed up. Right, right. I must be doing something wrong. It ain't about you. It's not about you at all. And right. it, you can be nice and wonderful and inviting and all those things, but you're forgetting how hard it is to be on the other side of that. And so that that's really the key to staying power is making sure you stay in that in that headspace. And it's not just being on social media or live streaming. There's certain types of live streams and certain types of content, and there's certain types of the way in which you presented yourself through that medium that enabled you to grow. Do you have a sense of that and what yeah. it was that you did, which is different than maybe what a lot of other people are doing? I mean, it's part weird. of it is just having your own fun language, which helps solidify your tribe and which people who, who are fans of yours use when they talk to one another and so forth. But there's a lot more substance to it th than that and and 
I'm, I'm curious, like what, what's, what was the winning formula for you with live streaming when many others have tried to build a coaching business through live streaming and they're, they've long dropped off the map? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a really important question. I think one of the things that people do is they try to use live streaming or any social media, but live streaming in particular, to tell people what they know. So if I use my live stream to inform you on things I know and to constantly give you information and, and let you make sure that you know that I know my stuff, right. um, there's the obvious question that sits in the, in the audience's mind is, so what? What's this got to do with me? Right. Like, why should I care? What has worked for me is that I demonstrate what I do by making all of my live streaming as interactive as humanly possible. And so for me, back in the Blab days, which is when mm -hmm. you and I were really at our, the height of our, our live streaming world life, um, <laughs> although I think that you, you've you continued that much better than anybody. Um, I'd like to think now is more my height than the Blab days. That's terribly although fair. I you are so polished. Did you see the intro to this video? I'm like, what? It's crazy. I can't believe I'm on the show. Um but Although what, we did have a great time back in the Blab days. It was exactly. It was I mean, one of the keys to that is to be able to have these interactive moments where you're literally saying mm -hmm. the name of the person. You're applying what you know to support this person in the problem that is on their mind right now today. And so to be a, a successful coach versus a successful thought leader is a tricky dance because I want to make sure you know I know my stuff. But like you were saying, having this shared language and saying, okay, so I'm going to teach everybody what puddle jumping is. Everybody in my community knows what puddle jumping is, but right. it means absolutely nothing outside of my community. It makes you lean in and say, do I want to know what she's talking about or do I not? And right, if it right. turns you off, cool. But if you're intrigued and once you learn what it is, you feel like, okay, I'm part of a community of something. And then when I say your name, when I say something, so Ross, have you been blah, 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 hearing your name and, and feeling connected to that person, you feel seen, you feel heard, you're probably more likely to feel brave enough to book that call and take the next step. Right, right. Now, what I think is interesting about this is there's sort of a fine line you have to work when you're doing sort of demonstrating online coaching. You want to help the person, which may require a certain amount of time, but you don't want to lose the rest of the audience and have them feel like it's not about them, too. Like they're mm -hmm. just sort of witnessing a private coaching session because after a certain time, it gets too specific to that person and everybody else sort of fades out or drops off. They're like, OK, this isn't about me. Why should I stay? How were you able to manage that where you could demonstrate your skills but never get never lose the crowd, so to speak? You, you, you even had a language for it, like the the hot seat and the cheap seats or the, hot seat what you, and the cheap seats. That's right. <laughs> it's really important that everybody that's here is part of it. So, like for right. example, Desiree is over here in the chat saying, I have a whole Coach Jenny glossary. I love that she said that. <laughs> just said, you know, uh, congratulations, Coach Jenny. Dana has said, wow, 2015. Just by making sure you would incorporate the comments, right. the people in what I call the cheap seats, meaning they're not on camera, so they're not vulnerable mm -hmm. right now. Um, the people in the cheap seats over there, um, are still getting involved in some way and I'm making sure I'm connecting with them to 
I say about 20%. And then 80% is the person in the hot seats, people right. that are on camera with me having this experience. But the way that you can do that dance really well with live streaming or with Zooms or with anything like this is to make sure that you pause and interrupt the coaching demonstration to say, does anybody else feel like what Ross just said you can relate to? Right, right? right. And just allowing people to raise their hand or type one in the chat or something like that allows everybody to feel like, okay, wait, oh, this is the, the, uh, the audience participation portion. This is where right. I am getting involved in what we're talking about. Um, and that is really key. If you want to grow a community and make everybody feel involved, I made the mistake early on. I don't know if you remember this Ross, but I did a series, a 12 part coaching series back on Google Hangouts man, we've been live streaming a while. And um, on Google Hangouts, where I coached one person live on the air for people to watch. Right. It wasn't that fun. I thought it was going to be this cool reality show kind of thing. It's not that fun. Everybody's like, yay, go Tim. Uh, good for Tim, my client. Right. Um, but it wasn't about them. It was just about Tim. And it didn't make people feel more warmed up to me. That's, mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to involve everybody. Okay, so you've got your live streaming now. You've got some clients. How do you divide up your time between marketing and client acquisition, coaching clients, refining your craft? Like, what is a day in the life or a week in the life of Coach Jenny like in terms of how you apportion your time and maybe compare to when you were growing and then, you know, now that you're much more established? Oh my gosh. When I was growing and just getting going again, I was so focused on private coaching and right. over delivering and making sure everybody knew everything that I knew. So I was always trying to hit people with fire hose of, of value. Um, I was constantly exhausted. We were talking 80 hours a week of constantly working. So I would make dozens of dollars. It was really, right, really right. painful. What I'm doing now that's really successful is I have a lovely variety of options so I can help more people. So what we have mm -hmm. to figure out is your goals. Your goal might be to help five people this year blow up and have this wonderful experience. If that's your goal, charge super high and have a high touch, high value experience. I want to, I'm on a mission to make Hilda a household name. I'm on a mission to help as many people as possible learn this crazy Hilda language of mine, because once they understand her, they can undermine her. And once they do that, they will stop squandering their potential and get on with the business of changing the world. To do that, I have to structure my time and my programs so that I can help more people. So what that looks like day in the life of now is I have my online community. I have a mastermind instead of private coaching as my focus. Right. So I'm helping up to 10 people at a time, but in a much more selfish way where selfish in terms of my time, like right. this is when these things are, I hope you can come versus I'm at your beck and call whenever you need me. And so as you're shifting your priorities and trying to figure out, okay, what does your impact look like? What is your coaching impact look like? What does your thought leadership look like? Um, that's where I'm spreading my time. I'm working on my second book now and, and wow. making sure there's time for that as well in order to grow my empire. Because again, my goals, which may not be every coach's goal, but my goals at this point is to make sure I'm helping as many humans as, as possible. And so I have to make sure that I'm, I'm building out my schedule and my time and, and my priorities uh, to align with that goal. 
Well, the first book is Hilda, uh, Tackle Your Inner Naysayer, Get Out of Your Own Way, and Unleash Your Badassery. Uh, great book. And if you don't like self-help books, this is not like any self-help book you would ever have read before. It's full of Coach Jenny's personality. It's full of real-world examples. It's got its own arch-enemy character. <laughs> Tell a little bit about what the impact of publishing a book was on your career and on your coaching brand. Oh, it changed everything. So I, I want to be clear. I did not want to be known for Hilda. I, mm -hmm. before the book came out, in fact, the back cover of the book still says this. I called myself the audacity coach. You remember mm -hmm. the audacity coach, right? Ross, right. right? The I was one the who gave cathartic coach. shoves. Right. right. <laughs> I was all about audacity, audacity, these positive things and how to live audaciously. And, right, and right. I make fun of it now, but it was really positive. Mm -hmm. And I spent a decade of my life um, focused on those positive things. But Hilda was this tool in my toolbox that I use with all my coaching clients. And, um, excuse me, realizing that I, if I dug deeper into this Hilda thing, this was really the problem I'm meant to solve. This is the problem my clients needed me to solve. So I wrote the book and then fired most of my clients at the end of uh, 2016. <laughs> hey, I'm a success now. You it, was, no, it, wasn't like that. it was more like, you know, I'm helping you with this and I'm helping you with that. Right. And it's not related to Hilda. So here's right. who you should work with instead. And here's a better resource for you. But I kept the folks that were working on something related to Hilda who were working on trying to change the world in some way and were ready to stop squandering their potential. And if it was focused on that, I could start over. So I, kind of shut down my business completely, went and got a little side hustle to pay the bills while I built out my new programs. And I have done that three times over the course of my career. And it's been so valuable. So having that book and deciding, okay, I don't just want a book about a tool, one little piece of my coaching practice. Mm -hmm. I want to make that the centerpiece. In fact, the umbrella of everything that I do has changed everything because now I'm known for something. So that's the other tip I have for coaches out there. Yes. Can we coach on anything? Could I coach on ice skating and gymnastics and whatever <laughs> and the piccolo? Yes. But if you want to be known for something, if you want to have that name recognition, if you want somebody to say, hey, Coach Jenny, oh, my gosh, at an airport, and you're like, oh, my God, somebody noticed me. If you want that, which I do, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I want that. Um, <laughs> then you have to you have to hang your hat on something. And so for me, I didn't want to write a book. I wrote mm -hmm. the book that I knew would help me for five years. And it's coming up on its four-year anniversary already. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, when you mentioned um, firing your clients, making changes, one of the interesting things that you've done online has been you've had several different Facebook groups and Facebook communities mm. And you had no, I mean, I don't know what internally, but most <laughs> people, once they get some sort of following somewhere, feel obligated that for the rest of their life, they've got to feed that following what got them there. And you've had no trouble about really highly interactive, popular groups and going, okay, this, this is not where coach Jenny today is or where her business is going. Thanks for being a part of it. And this is going to shut down at the end of the week. How hard was that? And is there a certain skill or a certain something you need to develop in order to know when to go, okay, this, this served me, but it doesn't serve me anymore. And if it's not serving me, 
ultimately I'm not going to serve anybody else by trying to keep this this going beyond the point of where it's working for me. Hell yeah. I love this question. I had a popular group that you're talking about. It was called the Audacity Lab and lab stood for League of Ambitious Badasses. <laughs> yes. Um, because of course it did. We're, we're coaches. We have to use acronyms, by the way. It's a rule. Right. Um, so anyway, so the lab was something I had for three and a half years, I think. And it had grown into this very popular, um, very robust, very fantastic place where I could show up at any time and get my ego stroked. Everybody there loved me. It was fantastic. It was such an easy thing to ask people to join this free Facebook group. Right. Um, but here was the problem. It wasn't that engaged. It had tons of engagement from a tiny, tiny sliver of humans. And I kept going in there going, but look, I have hundreds of people. I don't I, like a thousand people in this group or whatever the number was. And my numbers were small compared to some of the bigger ones. But you get stuck on this. But look at the vanity metric of how many people are in here. <laughs> That vanity metric has never paid my rent. Right. And also, one of the things I learned was just because people were in the were in the lab, that didn't mean that they actually were ready to take the next step and, and work with me. In fact, a lot of people became freebie zombies. That's what I call right, them. Right. You all know these, right? Like you have these Facebook groups filled with freebie zombies going, well, why would I ever pay her if I could just ask her the question here? And I've made that mistake over and over. So was it hard to close it down? Sure, because mm -hmm. I was closing down my ego stroking nook of the world where I could show up and be like, hey, I'm live. What's going on? But it's like, oh, right. Coach Jenny, it was so lovely. Right. Um, but I don't need a place to uh, have my ego stroked. I needed to make sure I had a place where I was actually making a difference. I remember that bar of you resentment. I very... about? What's that? Yeah, that bar of resentment I was talking about. Right, right. It was way below the bar of resentment if you got a bunch of freebie zombies. Well, you were always very clear, like, if we would talk about the potential of live streaming and whatever. Like, I'm not trying to become a live streaming expert, and I'm not trying to build the world's biggest audience. So if I was trying to build a huge show, that might be the right move. But I'm only interested in this as it serves my coaching business. So I'm not concerned which style of doing a show will bring in the biggest audience and i mean so many people who are feeling frustrated with live streaming if they took that approach and they realized that an extra client this week you know two clients next month yeah for a small business owner will change the entire way your quarter looks when you're looking at your books uh, it changes everything, right? Because you can go live and have 10 people watching, but if two of them set up a call with you, that's far more successful than having a thousand people watching and nobody really can tie what you're talking about to what they would need help with. <laughs> and I think I love that you bring that up because you and I have been kind of building our businesses in parallel with each other and we have very different goals. So we also have very different priorities we need to focus on when it comes to live streaming. Right. You have this gorgeous setup with the perfect microphone and the backgrounds and all of the things. I've got my Barbara Streisand records over my couch <laughs> um, because that's who I am. Hey, but it's it's a long way from the hallway. Just as it is a long, a long way from the, uh, the dark. <laughs> But, here, but here's the thing. You are teaching people how to live stream. And so mm -hmm. you need to have all of those things. You need to be right. on the cutting edge, if not the bleeding edge of that, in order to be the authentic 
um, thought leader in that space. But a lot of coaches, we fall down this rabbit hole of needing to have this perfect video production quality mm-hmm. instead of spending a little more time on, I don't know what you're going to say. Right, right. <laughs> so I think it's much more important for the coaches of the world to make sure that you're focused on the engagement. You're focusing on how you're going to demonstrate your coaching without giving it all away, how you're going to, all of those little things mm-hmm. before you start figuring out how am I going to fix my lighting? Because that doesn't automatic. Ross has taught me audio or something and then Mike told me to buy. But everything else, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's really key that as a coach or as any entrepreneur, that you're aligning your actions and your activities with your priorities. Now, do I have the fancy camera now? Yes. But I earned the fancy camera <laughs> <laughs> by finding coaching clients to pay for it. Right, right. Yeah, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, how you're now more serving groups versus one-on-one coaching. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about how you made that transition, how you recognized, okay, now I'm ready to do that? Because there's always got to be a hesitation when you go to membership communities and courses and workshops, and even you're doing uh, in-person and now virtual events. Uh, There's always got to be a question like, if I rush into this, will anybody buy, right? Like if I clear my schedule in order to be able to do this or enough to be able. So, so how did you recognize it was the right time for that? And then how did you go about transitioning to where now you're managing one to many products instead of one-on-one consultations? Yeah. Um, I had to like eat some crow and like mm-hmm. have a, an ego check because I think a lot of coaches out there are under the misguided notion that the best experience for a client is one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is so painful to say out loud. As much as I would like to believe that working with me one-on-one would be the most magical thing you can do. And it is the thing I charge the most for. Right. The truth is, in my experience, my clients get the most out of working with me with other people around them. Why? Has nothing to do with me, right? It's that you're surrounded by people who get it, who get what it's like, who people who nod and say, yeah, girl, I feel you, right? Right, right? People who are like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. And suddenly you don't feel like the only one. When you're with me one on one, you don't have that experience. So that's part one of realizing it. The second thing is, how many people was how many people was I pricing out that could not work with me one-on-one because they just didn't have the time to devote Mm -hmm. weekly coaching or they didn't have the cash to make that big of an investment who in this group experience now can access this work. So with those things in mind, I I really wanted to look at it. And here's the irony, friends. I make more money, Right, right? right? If five people pay you like a fourth of your private coaching, Mm-hmm. that's do the math, right? Like that's 125% of your private coaching for the right. same amount of time. And so like the math actually works out in my favor, their favor, but also more importantly, my ego aside, they get a more transformative experience mm-hmm. because they're not going it alone. Right. And it takes some courage on their part, I imagine, to want to share their struggles with a group of people 
But yes, but they, they also, they yes and no, right? Like it mm-hmm. does because that means, oh, I have to be vulnerable in front of all these folks. But I also only have to take one turn. <laughs> so in a 90-minute call, four other people got to step, step up or whatever the numbers right, are, right. right? And so they're not the only ones in the hot seat. It's not as intensive. And so because you're going through an experience with people, um, it, it lasts longer. It just really mm-hmm. does. So um, as a coach, moving into that was was scary because now I have to have five people say yes instead of right, one right. people, one person to say yes. Is selling is different. All of those things are true. But for most coaching experiences, I think we think that moving mm-hmm. to groups is about us. It's not actually. It's well, also incredibly valuable for the coaching uh, the coaching clients' experience. In, in my never humble opinion. Okay, so we've seen you move from getting started to coming online, live streaming, Facebook groups, and then writing a book and eventually transitioning from one-on-one to more group-type offerings. What's the next phase for Coach Jenny's business? Oh, wow. That's a big question. So now that we're in a pandemic, (laughs) it's different than what I envisioned at the beginning of this year, but I'm really happy about that. As you mentioned, I've moved into events. Hey, look at that. Look at that timing. I moved into events and the image you're looking at right there has beautiful Los Angeles in it, thinking I was going to have this event called No Matter What, you were going to come to LA. Um, You're not coming to LA because who would want to come to LA right now? There's a pandemic. Um, However, we've moved this into a virtual event and it's turned out to be a blessing in disguise for the event. Um, So instead of my coaching having to be this eight-week program or this six-month experience or whatever, in two solid days, we can spend these two days in this live experience together not recorded and just go all in with making what I call no matter what commitments. And that is turning into a whole new movement where people who have been on the fence with these ideas and been working on their strategies and hanging out are actually just getting stuff done because they're making these commitments. So the shift for me is I'm going from, yes, I'm still helping people with Hilda throughout all Mm -hmm. of my work, but it used to be just about getting you out of your own way. Mm -hmm. Once you get out of your own way, then what? And so moving forward, what I'm doing is adding to that solution. So now you're going to say, I'm going to make commitments at this no matter what level. And then when you're ready to advance from there, then you say, okay, now I'm all in with those no matter what commitments. And you join the all in mastermind. So really where my business has kind of transitioned this last year has been from, I have this one specific problem I solve to, oh, that's just the that's just the appetizers, right? And now we have the complete solution. Well, the website is coachjenny.com. You can find out about the online virtual event. You can find out about classes, about workshops, about membership community, and all the other offerings that Coach Jenny has. And of course, the book, Hilda, is tremendous. Um, tell us any other place, any other uh, thing that you're working on right now that people should be on the lookout for? Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I'm going to have a new book. I'm looking at getting it out in January. I can't tell you much about it because I keep okay. dancing around. Am I writing this book or that book? And I'm not sure which book wants to be wants to happen here. But um, okay. we're working on that. Um, but honestly, the best place to stay connected with me is over on Instagram. So uh, Coach Jenny, at Coach Jenny, over on Instagram. We have a lot of really fun happening over there oh, cool. as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Coach Jenny. It's always awesome thank talking you. to you. And uh, I look forward to many more of these conversations as uh, the years go on. 
Thank you so much. And congratulations on how far we've come. <laughs> yes, thank you. And congratulations to you as well. That is Coach Jenny. You're watching StreamYard Connect. Uh, and we want to uh, recap a little bit. It's great talking with Coach Jenny. And if you joined us in progress, she really laid out the game plan for being a successful coach. So do go back and check out anything that you missed on this video. It'll be on the StreamYard Facebook page. Um, looking back on the last couple of weeks, we've had some great guests as well. Professional podcaster Jim Harold joined us last week and talked about what he's looking forward to doing with StreamYard. When we met, you were you were looking to get on StreamYard. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with StreamYard since then. I find StreamYard uh, a very quick and easy way to increase audience engagement. Uh, to do uh, the occasional session where I just drop in and say, hey, ask me anything. Let's uh, let's just chat and those kind of things. And then also some other more structured kind of situations. Uh, I've been doing this summer uh, during this whole COVID crisis. I wanted to do something special for my audience. So I've been doing a paranormal game show along with my wife. And we have three contestants every week. And it's almost a... Uh, almost a Jeopardy style game show that we've been doing. And more and more what I want to do is I want to record my audio interviews on StreamYard, not all of them, but some of them, and also feature them as uh, YouTube videos. That's Jim Harold. Next up on the remix from two weeks ago, we already played last week, Alayda Solis, who was tremendous at the SEO panel, our very first panel uh, experience that we've had here on StreamYard Connect. Well, StreamYard's very own Marissa Kelly was on that as well and talked about how to set up your posts on Facebook. For a Facebook post, if you want that Facebook post to have the most organic reach, what are some, some do's or don'ts for, for that content? I think I mentioned it before about when you create your description, make sure it's very descriptive in terms of what this show is about, when you're scheduling it, uh, when it's going to come up. You can look at the example of this show exactly. You mentioned all of our guests, you tagged our pages, we're able to share it as well. So that does help optimize the reach. Um, you know, how quickly, how far in advance are you scheduling it? How far are you promoting it? to the point where other people are able to share it and uh, increase the popularity. Uh, I produce shows for people, so I'm not on the screen, right? And right. so the producer, you know, as a, as a producer, I'm able to then share it while you're live. And we also heard from Brendan Mulligan, the founder of PodPage. It's a website that makes it very easy for podcasters to create their own website within minutes using an RSS feed. And Brendan was great on that panel, that SEO panel as well, shared some of his expertise. Brendan, when you're optimizing specifically for podcasts, are there certain keywords you should use? Are there certain keywords you should avoid? Search engine optimization can be tricky, but if you can always remember that you're just talking to a robot, that's who you're communicating with, really. And you need to be as blunt and literal and obvious to that. The more obvious you are to the robot, the better chance that the robot will understand you. Um, if anyone has Alexa or a Google Home, like 
if you use nuance, it's a lot harder for them to do whatever you want them to do. And so I feel like the same kind of fundamentals go with SEO on your website and all of the stuff that we've talked about with linking. So thanks to Brendan Mulligan, Marissa Callie, and Aleda Elise for being part of our very first panel, the panel about SEO. And thanks to Jim Harrell, professional podcaster, jimharrell.com for being a guest last week. Of course, thanks to Coach Jenny, who was tremendous. Check out her book, Hilda, if you haven't done so, and her website, coachjenny.com, and at, at Coach Jenny on, on Instagram as well. And she's got events, she's got workshops, classes, and lots of great stuff, membership group as well. Upcoming virtual event, no matter what, 2020. Lots of good things to check out there. Also, you'll want to check out our other StreamYard shows. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's StreamYard Spotlight, where Dana Benz and Kelsey Benz interview you, interview members of the StreamYard community, StreamYard users, and spotlight what you're doing with the platform. And then, of course, that's on uh, the Facebook page, by the way. And then, of course, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, it's StreamYard's Town Hall with the co-founders Gage Vandentop and Dan Briggs. 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, slash Twitter, and LinkedIn. And then, of course, come back here on Wednesday, every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern for StreamYard Connect. You can find us on the StreamYard Facebook page and also on Periscope, slash Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn Live. Thank you to everybody who's been a part of the show. Great to see Beauty Bubble TV. Patricia Murray is here. Uh, Rigor, Mr. John DeStefano, you do it, is here. Uh, the great sax player, Victor Cujillo, uh, former guest uh, on the show, is here. Brad Friedman, of course. Great to see you. Uh, and so many other people, Desiree Wolf, thanks for your contributions to the chat and everybody else. I so appreciate everybody who's been a part of this show and, and showing up every week to, uh, contribute in the chat and, and keep things going really well. So can't wait to see you all again next week for StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. Have a great week, everybody. Take care.